0: Good morning, Grace Church. I'm pleased to be here, and uh, this is my first time to do something like this, speaking to uh, a camera, but I'm delighted to know that uh, you're out there and that together we serve a common savior and we have a common purpose, and uh, together we just want to worship God together, learn together, and uh, feel that we are committing ourselves even more this day to serve our Savior. Uh, Let's just bow in prayer as we begin. Father in heaven, thank you that we can be together, even though it's uh, online. We thank you that we can be together and worship you. We thank you for the worship we've done. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for our Savior and our salvation. And thank you that we can talk about important things today we pray that your spirit will guide us and uh, prepare our hearts. And may our thoughts and our learning be pleasing to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we had a meeting at church this week, and couple, one phrase came up a couple, two or three times, and I was delighted with that because it was a phrase that I had actually written down in my notes at home a few days earlier as a possible title for my sermon this week. And it was, Be on the Same Page. (laughs) And uh, so some of us at this meeting thought that it would be a really good thing if we would be on the same page. And so sure enough, um, that's what we were striving to do. Uh, So my title for today is, Be on the Same Page, Common Purpose, Loving Fellowship. How do we understand the idiomatic phrase, be on the same page? Something about agreement, right? Something about having a common agenda. Is it possible that this phrase could be used to express any scriptural truth or teaching? But if we are to be on the same page, what will we do about the fact that the text of my Bible has 1950 pages? <laughs> Which one is the right one for us to be on? How will we decide which one? Many Christian churches have differing differing opinions about which page, or which passage, or which doctrine is the most important, the correct page. Even more troubling, sometimes groups can agree on which page or which doctrine is the most important, or at least very important, and then have differing views about how to understand that page. Now, how are we going to get past this dilemma? Well, does Scripture have anything to say about us being on the same page, or being in agreement, or having a common agenda, or a common purpose? How about 1 Corinthians 1, um, verse 10? I'll read it to you, reading from the NIV. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you, you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, all of us have lived up to this always, right? <laughs> well, we wish. But uh, actually, it's not that easy to be perfectly in harmony, harmony perfectly in agreement. We're human, and uh, there's a tendency for us not to be that way because I think it takes the Holy Spirit guiding our thoughts and our words and our purposes in order to succeed in that way. Uh, If, in fact, we cannot live up to this being perfectly united in every word and thought and deed, uh, how are we to understand this? Well, let's try Paul's exhortation to the Philippians, in Philippians two, verse two. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Now that seems like that's a little more room there for us to be human and to strive towards some level of, uh, if not perfection, at least getting towards real unanimity and real harmony. And we would love to do that. And we should try to do that. And we do. We trust that we do. I'm going to read another scripture from Romans 12, verses 10 and 18. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Uh, This may extend even beyond our church brethren, uh, our neighbours, we should live in peace with ev- everyone, not be contentious, not be aggressive, not be confrontational, but be examples of God's love shed abroad in our hearts to our neighbours, in community, right next door, in the marketplace, wherever we meet them, and as we travel from place to place, if, or no, if only we could travel, someday perhaps, Lord willing, we will be able to do that again. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then there's Psalm 133, verse one. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Isn't that great? How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And I think we can agree with that. There's the popular song, Lean on Me, And it kind of, it always made me feel good to listen to that. Like I want to be a part of that community, a part of that relationship where we can lean on each other and lift each other up and support each other. Well, lo and behold, it's a totally scriptural principle, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. I believe it is very clear that scripture teaches us to be on the same page. All of these verses that we've Uh, looked at, and probably you've thought of several others just while we've been talking that teach very much the same thing. Be on the same page. How are we to understand these teachings if, in fact, there are times when we do not agree? How can we understand this? Is it if we don't agree sometime, do we need to rush home and get on our knees and ask repentance? Well, if we disagreed in an angry manner and did not respect each other and dialogue properly, then perhaps we do need to repent and ask God's forgiveness and ask forgiveness of the Christian brother. But I believe we must work hard, be diligent, exercise our utmost effort to find common ground, find places of agreement, places of harmony, so that we can live harmoniously and joyfully and live in this uh, state of unity and how good and pleasant that is. You know, our church documents were designed to help us toward that end, and I'm not going to belabor this, but uh, probably no one of us could heartily and equally endorse every sentence in the documents, every sentence or paragraph. We should not be overly concerned about that since some parts of the documents, some parts of the member handbook are just procedural kinds of things, like policies, procedures, job descriptions. These things can be tweaked as needed, and they should be. They should be looked at from time to time and fixed so that they are serving our purposes, so that they are our servants and not our masters. We want them to serve us well. On the other hand, there's some parts of our member handbook, such as the Constitution and the Bylaws and the Articles of Faith, that are really quite important parts that they are in fact in that order in our handbook. It uh, seems to me maybe articles of faith should get top billing. But anyway, that's the way the that's what it says in the table of contents, so we better go with that order. <laughs> um, these are not so easy to change, and they are important and they've been thought about carefully. The articles of faith, now maybe we can all be on the same page about the articles of faith, right? Now, the problem is, the articles of faith are on pages 14 to 19 in my handbook, so that's six pages. How are we going to be on the same page? Also, there's a whole lot of things included in there, like God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures, salvation, eternity, the last times, and so on. There's many things in there. There's lots of things that um, we may have minor differences in understanding, But as far as the essence, the truth of the principle, we are uh, completely in agreement. And so that's good. Then we can be on the same page. But there's lots in there. So that's still a little bit much for us to say, yeah, we're on the same page. We agree about every jot and tittle, every word in there. So what does it mean to be on the same page? What does it mean to be in harmony and in agreement? And I want to suggest to you that at the level of our purpose, our reason for existence, that's where we can be on the same page. And we can be completely uh, in in sync with each other. We probably do agree strongly on the articles of faith, but I actually read through them just uh, in the last day or two, and uh, I can read through those whole six pages and come to the end of that and say, okay, so what? What's next? Uh, What about it? (laughs) What does it mean? What do we do about it? Is it just things that we can say to each other, we believe this, and pat each other on the back and go our our merry way and uh, pay no attention to it for the rest of the week? Maybe that's not what was intended. You know, I was listening to a sermon one time. We had uh, Stuart Briscoe, a famous Bible expositor, come and speak to us in the Philippines to our group of missionaries there. And he told of a story that, explicates a little bit about what I'm trying to say here. He talked about uh, a little boy who was playing around in the living room and his parents had left the TV on and there was a, a minister giving a sermon. and the minister started out or was I don't know whether to start or the middle of his sermon, but he, he was reciting the Apostles Creed or something like it. He said, "I believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost." And the little boy was playing around with his toys, a toy train or whatever it was, and making the noise of an engine. Maybe it was an airplane. And so he was going, mmm, flying his little airplane. And as uh, he must have been listening out of one ear because when the minister said, I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, he said, mmm, so do I, mmm. <laughs> so uh, that was as much as it meant to him. Probably not very much at that point. Maybe we would be expecting too much if we were to uh, expect this little guy to be able to understand thoroughly uh, the articles of faith of a congregation. But in any case, the point was, you can sort of give lip service to saying, yeah, I believe, and maybe it doesn't mean anything more to us than that. But we hope that's not the case. We hope that if it affects what we do, what we want to do about it. And that is where we can actively decide on our common ground, our unity in spirit and in purpose. And guess what? It's right at the top of our documents on the very first page. Isn't that great? (laughs) The first two paragraphs are the name of the society and the purpose. I think we can agree on the name, Grace Evangelical Bible Church, We're probably not going to get in any disagreement about that. If we do, it's too late. We already have the name. But uh, here, I want to read this statement of purpose for us so that we can dwell on this a little bit. This is the purpose of the society. The purpose of the society is to communicate the message of the gospel to others that they may become a part of the family of God, grow as followers of God, Uh, sorry, grow as followers of Christ, discover how to serve him as their king, and honor God with their lives in their family, neighborhood, and world. Now that is a good statement, solid, meaty, and it tells us what we're about and so what. It takes the articles of faith and gives them some wheels or some legs. The rubber can hit the road, because we know what it is we're supposed to do. Communicate the message of the gospel to others, that they may become part of the family of God, grow as followers of Christ, discover how to serve him as their king, and honor God with their lives in their family, neighborhood, and world. Ryan has been reminding us regularly that the important agenda that we share is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And we agree. We are on the same page. And he has reminded us that we need to start in our own families. He reminded us that dads need to get involved with their families in giving leadership, giving spiritual leadership. And uh, this is important. Uh, This is something that needs to happen and will really contribute to the health of the spiritual health of ourselves, our families, and our church. And it will spread out from us to the larger community. And then there's Trudy and the missions committee, and they are come up, coming up with some outstanding innovations to help us achieve better focus on how to accomplish our purpose, uh, purpose in the neighborhood and in the world. They have come up with the missions quarterly, and I'm delighted to have received the first issue. I don't know if the first issue is off, uh, the second issue is off the press, but it may be already. And I'm looking forward to that very much. This is a great innovation. This can focus our energies and our attention and our understanding of what we're about, what it is that we do agree on, what our common agenda is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And then uh, the missions committee has also initiated what they're calling World Cafe. And this is an internet um, uh, Uh, Zoom meeting, um, and uh, they're going to have some uh, upcoming ones. Uh, They already had one. There's another one scheduled for Sunday, May the 9th, and one for Sunday, June the 13th. So if you haven't figured out how to get on board with that, look for your next Missions Quarterly and make sure you take note of that. It'd be great to see you at that. Uh, Very good. Thank you to the Missions Committee for doing that. Very important service to us as a church. So with that background, I want to look at a couple of things that I have labeled our core texts for today. The first is Psalm 105, verse 1. And there's a reason why this text is so powerful and meaningful to me today. And I'm going to show you a short video shortly, and this text will be in it. And during that video, I'm going to explain to you how it made a, a major impression on my consciousness and became what I wanted to be my big theme for today. So Psalm 105, verse 1 says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. And then in Romans 10 verses 13 through 18, Romans 10, verses 13 through 18, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. That quote is actually from Psalm 19 about how God has bombards our consciousness with his creation, his statement about himself, his invisible power, his uh, attributes of godliness. We see that in the amazing creation he has presented to us. So there's that, and then there is the fact that we need to preach the word of Christ to all peoples around the world, and that's the content of Romans 10 13 to 18. Now, Verna and I, more than 50 years ago, joined Wycliffe Bible Translators. And uh, right now, we are stepping out of Wycliffe Translators, not because we're dissatisfied, but because we're getting pretty old, pretty long in the tooth. And uh, we feel that our assignments with Wycliffe Translators have wrapped up. Does that mean We're stopping cold turkey, the ministries that we've been involved in, not at all. When I show you the video, I will explain to you that those ministries are going to continue, and we will continue to be involved, but under the auspices of another agency. So I'll explain that in a moment. We are grateful for the privilege of being involved with Wycliffe over all these years. When I was a boy, uh, I was in the Philippines with my parents. My parents joined Wycliffe. And my dad was a radio technician helping the translators stay in touch with the people back at the uh, center or back in the capital city. And so I had the opportunity to see the results of Bible translation in changed lives. I visited many of the communities where Bible translators were working. I was just a teenager at the time. But what an impact it had on me to see that these people, many of whom had been practicing Spirit worship, animistic religion, sometimes being possessed by spirits and afraid of the spirits all the time. We're receiving the gospel message, the word of God, and excited about sharing it with their uh, other people. Um, you know, we've, we remember that kid song, get all excited and talk about uh, Jesus Christ, tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we really want to talk it up. We want to preach it. I remember visiting some uh, churches that were um, in the deep south in the United States, and almost the whole congregation was black Americans, and we were excited to be there with our Christian brothers, but they practice their worship differently than us. They're noisy about it. They get all excited. The preacher will say a sentence or a paragraph, and a whole troop of people will holler and say, oh, yeah, preach it, brother, lay it on us. So uh, maybe we need to catch a little bit of that excitement, even if we don't practice it just like that. Maybe we need to get it inside us that we need to preach it, brother. We need to get all excited. So I saw that among the uh, remote communities in the Philippines, the tribal groups. And uh, it made an impression on me so that after... Verna and I met at Bible School at Prairie Bible Institute. We got married, we prayed about what God wanted us to do, and we applied to, ta- to study at Summer Institute of Linguistics. We took our studies, we were accepted, and 52 years ago, we started our work with Wycliffe. About 50 years ago, we arrived in the Philippines and went to work among the Gutdung people, and there's a story there. Um, you know, we worked, we worked with them for two decades, And then we were asked to return home and develop a Canadian training program for SIL and Wycliffe. And that became the Canada Institute of Linguistics. And Grace Church had an enormous part in helping to get that thing off the ground or on the ground. And uh, it's there now. And many of you have visited. And if you haven't yet, please do. And that's where a great number of people have been trained, including Some of the people that we talk about as ministry partners right here at Grace Church who got some training there and there have been others and there are many, hundreds of them serving around the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of them in places that are very dicey, so much so that we aren't permitted to name where they are working to translate God's word because it might put them in danger. Or certainly we can't name them by name and mention the place. And that's why it might not only put them at danger, but the local people, any people who showed interest in hearing the gospel message might also be very much in danger. So we need to be very careful and very judicious about that. But we didn't have that problem when we went to live and work among the Gatdang people in the northern Philippines. So at this time, I wanna show you a video, and uh, I will try to narrate this live. It's gonna be a little exciting, but I've gone through it a couple of times, and we'll see how it goes, so let's play the video now, please. So, as I looked at uh, Facebook the other day, and I should say I don't use Facebook, but except to sort of be a communication channel between me and the Gat people. And so it's like an email service. And one of them had posted that verse, the verse that we read earlier. We'll come back to it. But 50 years ago, I started learning their language and culture, and we lived among neighbors. Many of the men my uh, older than me were headhunters at that time. And this is Kila, who was known and feared among neighboring tribes because he was a headhunter. And uh, the men at that time went around in loincloths and carried spears called saiyang, And the reason they did that was that they were afraid that there might be a raid for retaliation from these other groups, and they needed to be prepared. Here is Kila with his wife Masirag. Kila was the headhunter. Masirag was makamang, which means spirit medium. She was one of the people who uh, would contact the evil spirits on behalf of the people to try to find out what those people should sacrifice to the spirits in order that the spirits wouldn't make them sick or destroy their crops, and so on. I tried to share the gospel with Kila and Basirag, and they were resistant because they were steeped in their spirit worship, and the spirits had a hold of them. But I told them, hey, how about if I send you to a Bible conference in Balangau upstream, way upstream? Too far to walk, but I could get them a, a ride on our little airplane uh, headed for uh, Balangau. And so I sent them, and they attended this Bible conference with people who used to be their mortal enemies. But they were nervous, (laughs) but they sat together. And then uh, the plane landed on a grassy airstrip on a mountainside up there, very dicey. But they attended that, and then they came back, and they didn't say much to me about it, but they said it was okay. Later on, maybe a year later, I said to Masirag, I'll sure be happy when I hear that you have believed in Jesus, And she said, we did already. We did it up at that conference at (laughs) Balangau. Well, why didn't you tell me about it? But anyway, it was great news, and they uh, decided to follow the Lord and encouraged others. Now, here was another neighbor of ours, Tombenai, and she became like a grandmother to our kids. And she was not so resistant to the scripture, even though she had also been steeped in this spirit worship. And so um, Tombenai... Became a follower of Jesus, and she was willing to learn. And she was one of Verna's best friends, and she did so many nice things for us. And you know, among the Gatdang, there's kind of a thing, sort of a Dang rap music. And it's a stereotyped tune that they sing, but they make up the words as they go. And Tombenai would do this singing and sing her testimony, and here it is. I hope you were able to hear that. It was unique and special that this, they, they were actually using their own uh, indigenous style of music to share their faith in Jesus. This is Tombenai's daughter, Kualan. Some of you know her. She actually sat in a pew right here because she's the grandmother of uh, Naomi and the twins, Esther and Joe's little kids. Uh, This is Esther's mother and also Verna's best buddy when we're over there in the Philippines. Tombenai also had a number of grandkids and here's several of them. These are all cousins and uh, these are some of the young people that we have put through college. They've earned some degrees. Uh, Grace on the far right is the one who posted that verse on the internet and made me so excited that she was sharing her faith in that way. She has earned a degree as a med tech uh, sort of like working at Life Labs here in Abbotsford and she's doing just fine and uh, we've got another picture of Grace now and uh, she's uh, very diligently sharing her faith on the internet, on Facebook and social media and her and several others of the got dung young people that we have shared. We could call them the got dung college and careers. Here's the verse she posted Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. And many of the young people, we have helped them to go out, get a college education. This was not possible in the past, and for that reason, they were severely poverty stricken. But now they have earned degrees. They have been able to, uh, many of them, to get paying jobs and uh, their lives have changed. And uh, we have always encouraged them to follow God and study God's word and look at God's word in their own language and share it with others. And so many of these young people are bombarding social media with posts about their faith, about songs. They might sing some songs and play guitar and share their faith with all their got done uh, cousins and friends uh, in their own community and around the world. Uh, This is Abigail, uh, the one on the left who has a nurse's degree. And uh, we're so excited that these young people are so diligently sharing God's word in this way. We never anticipated that this would happen. Not when we started working with headhunters as our neighbors. (laughs) And this is Sabado and he's one of the pastors. Now, the pastors who are more my age or closer to it are not into social media. They probably don't even have a way of getting on, but uh, they sure do. Uh, they sure are diligent about sharing their faith and sharing the truth of the gospel in their churches. This is one of the new churches in Mabatlau. This is just half of the congregation. Tasik, the pastor, is beside me. The other half of the congregation went home for lunch before we got the camera out, unfortunately. And we're just excited to be able to visit these congregations. Back in the early days, I worked with Sid Dayau. He was particularly gifted. He was prepared by God to be uh, my assistant, one of my assistants. Esther's mother was the other main one. And we worked for days, weeks, months, years, translating God's word into the Gat Dang language. Sid Dayau was very competent. He was the son of Keilah, the headhunter. And Masirag, the spirit medium. And he was a man that God selected to help us translate God's word. And he grew in his knowledge and in his faith. And he began to be a leader in the Gatdang community. And he was recognized as a leader. And he became the first president of the leaders of the churches. And they had groups of elders and would get together and he would provide leadership to them. And he did an amazing job of helping to spread the word of God throughout the Goddun community. He got older and older, of course, as, as we do. And he became more and more frail. And he had two or three strokes in recent years and became very, very ill and frail. But in the meantime, he had been a great partner and helper and a great member of our family. And we loved Sid Dayow and Lipid so very much. And they were just like a member of our family. He became very, very ill. And a week ago today, he died and went to be with the Lord. So he spent his life in the service of the Lord. And he would be totally in agreement with our purpose that we've talked about. Thank you, Sid Dayal. Now you need to listen to this next clip. Okay, uh, this is uh, Mike and Verna Walrod. We're reporting from a new church in Minanga, Alfonso Lista, Ifugao Province, Northern Philippines. Have you got that? There'll be a test later. Okay, and I'm here with the leaders of the church here. This is the first time for Verna and I to visit this church. It's a great privilege for us. And uh, I'll introduce to you some of the leaders. This is Esteban Catolico, the pastor of the church here. and. Uh, We'll come back to Tony, but uh, the names of the others. Esteban, tell me the names of these men. Nganda. And then Nganda. Uh, Ber- Berting. Berting. Okay. Uh huh. Dennis. 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 Okay. These are the leadership, and also uh, with me today is Tony Sinaliao here, and he's one of the leaders of the church in Carbana, Alfonso Lista, and so on. You know the drill and uh, we're excited to be here. So, Verna and I have had a wonderful time. Um, there's been some tears shed. We've gotten to know these folks, and it's a blessing to us to see what God has done. And they have uh, something to tell you at Grace Church. So, turn the camera Ben, up to uh, the folks here. And what would you say to the people back at Grace Church in thank Canada? Thank you, Grace Church! Thank you! And thank you. I hope you could hear that well. Uh, the folks at that little church that had just started that church when we visited there about three years ago, they were saying thank you to you at Grace Church because the Gatdang, our dung friends and like family, they're like family to us, they know that we have a sending church back home in Canada and they know that uh, this church has provided help so that we can help them in many ways, not just providing the teachings of the gospel but many practical ways as well medical help education and so on and we've been able to do that for them and they are profoundly grateful and we are profoundly grateful for everything that we have been able to do together receiving your help receiving your encouragement receiving your prayers and we're just so grateful as you this is being pre-recorded but when you watch it Uh, There's something, there's an event that's ahead of me still by a couple of days, but when you see this, it'll be behind me, and that is a kind of a celebration of Verna and I's 52 years in Wycliffe, and Wycliffe is putting it on, and they'll have a Zoom meeting and have some people come and say some things to us, and we're excited about that because we know that together we can rejoice with them about what God has done through Grace Church, through Wycliffe and through the goddamn churches that have been developing. a Couple of the people that are gonna be sharing are Dale Schatz is one of them. He was a former vice president at Selkirk College in Castlegar. And he, then he came to work with us at Canada Institute of Linguistics to help us with our capital campaign to raise funds for our new building. Dale Schatz is the father of Warren Schatz. And it was because Dale gave up his high paying job to come and work with us at Kanael um, and very sacrificially uh, made a move which was also costly for them and helped us to develop that training center to train missionaries. And it was because Dale came to work with us that we first learned about Warren Schatz. (laughs) When we were looking for a pastor, I told Dale we were, and he said, well, talk to my son. (laughs) And we did, and Warren came and served with us and blessed us for a very long time. Also speaking at that meeting will be Guy Saffold, the former executive vice president of Trinity Western University. And I look forward to what these gentlemen will share with us. And uh, we're just so very grateful that we've been able to work with you on this. You know, I mentioned what the Dung College and Careers boy, uh, Young People were doing these days. And on the day when I happened to look at Facebook, I don't always do that, but I look there to see uh, if the gut dung people are trying to reach me and tell me about the church growth and so on. I looked there that day, and the first thing I saw was that verse. So then I thought, well, I'll look some more and see what else they're doing. And here, I, here's a page, and you won't be able to read this, but I'll just show you the page. There are 24 entries on here, of postings on facebook on that day from our gut dung family these young people who were sharing their faith singing songs about jesus sharing scripture verses encouraging others to follow the lord and you know a couple hours ago i switched on facebook again and the top thing was another posting from one of our kids who had listed 10 links to 10 christian songs in a language of the northern Philippines, um, encouraging people to click on those and hear about our Lord Jesus. So we know what our common purpose and agenda is. We know God will bless it. This is God's purpose. This is God's intention to reach out to people of every tribe and nation around the world and so that there will be brothers and sisters of ours in eternity from all these places. Now, I just want to show you one thing in closing. This little show and tell represents uh, our lifetime experience with the Gatdang people. This is one of those saiyang, those uh, headhunter spears that I showed you a picture of earlier. And uh, one of our neighbors Uh, Gave me his. I guess he had retired it. Maybe he got too old. Maybe he got too old, or maybe he gave his life to the Lord and decided, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so we inherited this thing as a souvenir and brought it home. You know, not too much longer than that, after we moved in with neighbors that were headhunters, after a couple of decades, we were able to finalize and print the New Testament in the Gut Dung language. And that was a game changer for the got dung people and the got dung churches. As well as the New Testament, there is the blue book here, which is uh, Songs of Praise to God. And that's gone through several printings already. So there's this that started, the God's Word. And then we were able to share things digitally. And so we would put it on thumb drives and pass it around. And school teachers would share it with their kids and use the opportunity to share God's word and share their faith. And then, finally, the thing that I told you about just now, how the gut Dung Young people are just bombarding the internet with their testimonies and the gospel message. We're excited about it. Let's get all excited. Let's tell the world. Let's uh, accomplish what God wants to through us and through Grace Church. Thank you.